Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whether you're listening to this live as we like to do as the post-match pub pod or whether you're listening to this next day. I like to listen to us, not myself when I'm on it, but you guys when you're on it, uh, when I go out for a run the next day. So quite often um, hearing that instant reaction is uh, it's interesting anyway. But hello, it's me, Chris, aka Suburban Guna Chris. We've got a quartet today, not a duet, not a trio. It's a quartet. So I'm going to start from my top right-hand corner. Mr. Gav, she wore, how are you, sir? I'm very good, mate. How are you? I'm very good. And as is customary on the Postmax pub, I need to know what you are drinking. Uh, I'm drinking a nice little Italian number. I can't really pronounce it properly. It's Ignisa. Peroni? No, Ignisa. It's spelled I-C-H-N-U-S-A. It's a Sardinian Italian lager, which is 4.7%. And it's absolutely lovely. Wow, that is impressive. I mean, he's just so cultured. He's the cultured. He's the cultured midfielder of this group. Um, let's move <laughs> on to the uh, rock hard, sturdy centre back that we have in uh, Olaf. Olaf Brinkman. Olaf, how are you doing, sir? You all right? Yeah, hello, Chris. Uh, I'm drinking a uh, uh, the same as last time with Chelsea. So I'm drinking a, uh, a, a Sevilla uh, Tanqueray and tonic. Um, mm-hmm. So G and T. Uh, a nice double double dose, of which I've had three during the game, especially the first half, where I tried uh, desperately to stay awake like the rest of us. Um, and, and secondly, I picked him in the second half. So, UNT it is for me. And by the way, Gav, that's a, that's a heck of a combination you've got going there with your Italian-Sardinian thing and your um, anger management and, and, and frustration sometimes. <laughs> we love it. We love it. And to complete this little virtual circle, as we are in the uh, virtual pub, is Mr. Invincible Blog Paul. How are you doing, sir? What are you? What is your tipple for the evening? I'm just having a little gin. <laughs> <laughs> little bathtub, trademark bathtub. You don't know. Gun. You don't know. You don't know what a little gin is, Paul. Let's be honest. <laughs> I've got to put something in context for everybody here. You guys in the UK, I'm, I'm not sure, Chris, whereabouts you're located. I don't know what TA level you are um, in your lockdown. Four. Are you four? four? And Gav? I'm four. four We're London. Okay, so, four. Okay, so we had five levels over here um, and we were one last night. The president got up and spoke. And we went from level one effective today to level three. And our highest level is level five. And also effective with that is a two week up until the 15th of January. And this was announced after the, the off sales and stuff were closed. Uh, no alcohol to be bought in restaurants or in off sales or anything. So um, the fact that you've got the two of us here drinking that means Either we're drinking very badly or we've stockpiled. It's one of the two. <laughs> Love it. And let's have a little shout out as well to the other people that are joining us in the virtual pub from Facebook. We've got Colin Brown. Colin, how are you doing? Um, he's just said uh, it's a win whenever every effort said we're going down. So uh, he's obviously happy. Not sure what he's drinking, though. Uh, Gab is drinking a ginger tea. Mm, cultured, like it. Um, and Lee Stapley is just happy to be having a, uh, a beverage. So, you know, it's all good. So um, welcome to everybody that is joining us. Let's start by having a little chat or, about the uh, the lineup, shall we? So I'm going to go with Gav first. Um, talk to me about how happy you were that um, he decided to stick with the youngsters 
and uh, this is a leading question, by the way, and how much really? of a travesty it is that <laughs> Mohamed El Nenny plays yet another football match? Uh, yeah, no, I, mean, I, I, I guess like everybody else, I was just happy that the kids have, have got another another game. They they deserved it. They played well, uh, and they've done it again today. Uh, I was almost expecting the same eleven to start, which, in hindsight, might have been a. A better thing, really. Like I say, it, it's bad when you think that what you know, one of our highest-paid players and our captain, you would rather have uh, on the bench to start the game. But like I say, I I was happy. I mean, I, you, you know, you can't not be happy, can you? you can't not be happy. Uh, as with El Nene, you've got to hope really that once party's back, that's him going to be on the bench a little bit more. I'm not going to slag him off because he's played the last two games. We've won the last two games. But I would just like to see him not play every game. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a symptom of just where we are in terms of the paucity of our midfield options, but then also the injuries to party and, you know, the fact that everyone knows the club are looking for midfielders in, in the January transfer window. So part of me is just a bit like we just need to get through this game today. But Olaf, just give me some initial thoughts on the lineup, but also the initial sort of first half. Let's delve into that first half then, the snooze fest that was. Okay, then let's start with the, the lineup. I thought the lineup was uh, the best under the, the, the circumstances, and I agree with Gav. It was we, we discussed it last time after the Chelsea yeah. game, hoping that most of the youngsters would remain in for this game because they'd earned their place and they brought an energy, which I think I was most disappointed in to answer the second part of the question uh, in the first half, which is that the energy was absolutely lacking. Um, and you would have noticed between the first and the second half that the, the guys must have had a chat at half-time about passing the ball quicker. And in the first 10 minutes of the second half versus controlling the ball in the first, thinking about what to pa- or who to pass it to, maybe taking another touch and then only passing, in the second half it was either immediate one-touch pass or it was control the ball and straight away pass it on to the next. So I thought the lineup was great. Um, I personally would have started over again. I think that um, Ober's ability to hold up the ball uh, is substantially better than Lacazette. Uh, sorry, Lacazette to have started the first half because his ability to have held up the ball, especially with some of the high crosses that were coming in uh, with their very tall defenders, I thought that, that he should have started over an Aubameyang, maybe brought Aubameyang on at halftime as an example. But either way, I thought the first half was laboured um, and uh, there was no connect again between the defence and the, the forward line. Um, and I think Smith Rowe could have played a bigger part in that, should he have yeah. chosen. Um, but, but that was my, my, my major gripe, taking too yeah. long on the ball and too much sideways and backwards and not enough forwards. Yeah, I think that is one of my biggest issues as well. And um, Chris Fye has said on Facebook, you know, we're not getting enough balls into the um, into the strikers. And it's that connectivity, isn't it? That's the big issue. And everyone's looking at Emil Smith-Rowe to be this guy that can be that connector. But, you know, he's still only 20 years old. He's had a lot of injury problems. He's feeling himself back into games. I mean... Aaron Ramsey was a fantastic footballer for us, but um, Dave, who obviously Dave Seeger, who does this um, podcast occasionally, he says that, you know, he's always said that Aaron Ramsey takes 10, 10 games after he's he come back from injury. He needs 10 games before he really hits his peak. 
And I think that's a challenge that we've got to accept with some of these footballers like Emil Smith-Rowe. He's been out for a long time. So we need to appreciate that he's not going to just instantly click in every single game. He's a young player and he's an injury-prone player. But yeah, that connectivity didn't happen. And I, I thought it was interesting what you were talking about, um, Olaf, in terms of the uh, Aubameyang and Lacazette situation. And Gav, I'll bring you in just to talk in just a second. We've got Paul. Um, uh, actually, no, I'll tell you what, I'll bring Paul in because he's uh, he just disconnected, but he's reconnected with us. So, Paul, we're just talking... Well, I'm about to talk about Aubameyang because I've seen a couple of people say, is he actually now... Do we need to have a proper conversation about him being a problem? What's your kind of, what's your sort of take on it? Him playing tonight, his performance tonight, and then Lacazette's impact as well when he came on. Um, I, I did comments in, um, in the first half on Twitter that I thought um, that including Aubameyang had kind of broken up some of the one such, you know, um, little triangles like the quick passing football that we had. Aubameyang has always struck me as a player that needs a little bit of a run up, you know, in he needs to kind of get wound up if you know to get into something. He's not really a, a great kind of one touch quick pass triangle kind of guy. He's he's an in behind and into space. Um but I think he's just low on confidence. I don't think that we need to, to panic yet. Um uh you know he had a, a decent goal when a couple weeks ago. Um and yeah, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say panic just yet, although Arteta will have a problem because um, I do think this this new kind of young mobile athletic side um, works better with Lacazette in it. He holds a play better. Um, I think he's, he's growing in confidence. I think he has a better rapport with some of the players. Um, they seem to be um, on the same page. And um, mm. so I've enjoyed watching that. Um, yeah, I don't think I'd throw Aubameyang. Uh, just yet, yeah. but Arteta has a problem. Yeah, I think, he does, a, I think he does a bit of a challenge. I'm going to bring um, Gavin in just a second, but just um, on the Facebook, we've got Mick um, Sestanovich. Apologies, Mick, if I've actually butchered your surname there, but uh, Mick says, totally agree about Oba Laka. Laka is much better at holding up the ball. Um, I'm sorry, I love Oba, but he slows us up. I'm not sure that he, my personal opinion is, I'm not sure that he slows us up. I just don't think he's the connector that we want him to be. He is a guy that is essentially needs to be on the end of things. And when he was on the end of things, a few times he was on the end of things, certainly in the second half, he had a couple of chances. Like that chance that the goalkeepers mm. made an absolute blinder of a save, didn't he, Gav? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I want to see Uber on the left. Uh, I, I want to see him down the left-hand side. I don't think he brings any benefit whatsoever to being down the middle. He, he doesn't get the ball in front of him enough. He doesn't make the runs. That He's not getting hit with the passes. He actually looks happier in the whole game when he was actually on the left. So, mm. but I mean, yeah, I mean, he had, he had that chance. It was, uh, I mean, Smith Rowe put together a, a passage of play the start of the second half that was absolutely immense. And, yeah, we had, I think we had three pretty good chances all in succession, really. I mean, that one, it come off the keeper's sort of what did it come off the keeper's fire or his knee and then just span yeah, yeah, you know, span the other side of the thingy. I mean I thought that was a goal. The minute the ball went over, I thought oh, yeah, I said that oh, that's a goal. But yeah. So but yeah, like I say, mate, you know, it's it'd be very, very harsh to say he could have done anything else but get full contact on that. But unfortunately mm. the full contact hit the keeper. Yeah. But I think that kind of almost summed these these his day up, do you know? What I'm, you know, it it weren't it weren't his day, was it? Let's be honest. But yeah, and 
and I think I think I think Martinelli as well had a quiet day. I mean, he had one that he had that one chance, and of course, what you get with Martinelli is you get intensity and you get pressing, and he will run and run and run. But I didn't think he had the best of days. But again, he's just a young player and he's coming back from injuries. So I'm kind of sort of okay with it. I mean, from your perspective, let's take the first half and the second half. What exactly do you think Arteta actually said? Um, Olaf, I'll bring you in to give your sort of thoughts on this. What do you think he actually said to the team? And what did they do differently? Was it just quicker in, quicker interchanging of passing? I mean, how did they how did they link? And how, how did we create so many more chances when in the first half, Brighton were just essentially just sitting back in groups of five? And we weren't seeing, certainly, I didn't see, Bellerin and Tierney overlapping the fullbacks very much where they did against right. Chelsea. Um, again, I think that I think he must probably brought the word in urgency, and by implication within urgency, it was around one touch versus multiple touches and looking around and also uh, yeah, expecting the likes of an Aubameyang and the Sackers and the Smith Rose to run into spaces. They were trying to do that in the first half. For Martinelli, for example, running into spaces and whatever. But nothing was coming. It was that connecting part that was missing again. And I think within the urgency and therefore the one touch and, and so on, I think that uh, I think that that must probably make the, the largest difference. One of the things as well about Lockyer that we never really talk about is he does have elements of Olivier Giroud in there. The, over and above him being kind of a fox in a box and a, quite a good striker as, as it stands, his ability like Olivier's was of holding up the ball um, has been uh, severely lacking um, over the last couple of months. Um, and I think that uh, now that, that we have it, and when we see it, like in the first half where it wasn't there, and no matter what Oba was doing and running and whatever else, he, he was not able to apply, hold up the ball, bring the mid, some of the midfielders um, or the, the wingbacks into play. I think that that was most probably an issue, and therefore the urgency was, I, I assume, the message as well as making the change with Laka coming on as quick as it was. I think it was in the 60th or 65th minute, which is generally speaking for, for Arteta, generally quite early to make that kind of a change. Yeah. I mean, for me, Gav, I'll bring you in and just say, for me, I think um, we just moved the ball quicker. And because we moved the ball quicker, we created more of those spaces. And like the, the shots in the first half, I mean, we had like, one shot off target in the first half. We finished the game. I'll read some stats out and then, Gav, I'll give you some just thoughts on second half. And then, actually, if you can then talk your way through, um, the, talk us through the goal as well. So, uh, we had, it was pretty even in terms of possession, 49.8 to 50.2% in terms of possession. Uh, Brian had 13 shots to our 11. We had three on target. They had two on target. Um, and this is a problem with both of these teams, actually. Um, you know, Arsenal having 11 shots and only three on target. Brian having 13 and just two on target. Uh, six shots off target for Arsenal, five shots off target for Brighton. Um, passing percentages, we were better. Um, you know, there's nothing, none of the other sort of stats that really jump out for you. But just talk me through that a little bit of your thoughts on the second half. But actually then also, let's go into the goal. So it was a fantastic finish. But again, sack of the man. Well, don't. Yeah. No, I mean, so basically, I mean, I, I agree pretty much with what Olaf said there, really. It was, it was faster ball. It was quicker ball. It was more precise ball. And we started running at them. We started getting the ball in front, turning it, and actually running at them. And Saka, bloody hell! I mean, I mean, he's got the ball. He's almost facing. He's almost facing our goal when he's got the ball. 
and he sort of shielded it, turned, and that's it. He's off. He's off. And that was superb. Again, he's looked up. He's not. I mean, we've had a few speed merchants in the past. I'm not going to mention any any Theo's names or anyone. But they sort of like they, they get the ball and then they they get into the area and it's just a wasted ball over. And what Saka did was he composed himself, and it was the perfect ball in. Laka's gone, bump, bump, smack, it's a goal. And mm. I think Laka was on the pitch, what, 42, 43 seconds, something stupid like that. And him, he's a confidence player. And he's scored three games running now. I think it's going to be hard to leave him out, to be fair. I think it's going to be yeah. very, very hard to leave, leave him out. And, I mean, you don't know what the situation with, with Saka's... Uh, ankle, what it looked like his ankle, whether he's sort of gone over it or whether he got a little kick on it or whatever. But, yeah, like I say, it, it's good we've got good options at the moment. But, yeah, like I say, I just like Laka, Laka up front through the middle at the moment. And he done us proud again. Yeah, what can my... you say? 1-0 to the Arsenal. We love it. Oh, gritty 1-0 as well. Like the Chelsea game was a... It was like swashbuckling. It was exciting. It was everything to give us the boost that we need. But this felt like just a classic away day. Just get the point. It's Christmas time. Over Let's Christmas, just, yeah. Then yeah. the games are never that great over Christmas. Um, you know, I've seen, I remember us losing four nil at Southampton. Um, just get the job done. And we had that. And we've had a couple of people have said that it's just about getting the. Uh, Getting the connection, it's just about getting the uh, getting the job done. Um, but Olaf, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to wax lyrical, or a minute or so to wax lyrical on, on Saka, because for me, fantastic footballer. The things that I love about Saka: direct running, strength as well. Like he gets he gets none, he gets knocks, but he stays on his feet. Very Jack Wilshire. I mean, you just got to hope that he doesn't have his ankles absolutely pilloried like uh, Jack Wilshire did. But give us just some thoughts on Jack. Uh, sorry, Jackers. Certainly not Rackers, although mm-hmm. I did think he had a good game today, Saka. Yeah, Saka had a, had a very good game today, um, as he did against uh, uh, Chelsea. Um, I think that uh, the, the, there was also a big distinct difference between the game today and the last one with the same setup. The, the last one, um, I think there was a heck of a lot more threat uh, uh, by Chelsea um, on the very same complement or the team that we had. Um, and, um, and today, uh, for example, Brighton, not at all. Um, and we're about to go into West Bromwich Albion, who were absolutely smashed today, 5-0, I think, by Leeds. Um, mm. But I think, uh, to, to answer your question on Stacker, I think he, he has the confidence, he has the support, and he also has the admiration of his, his teammates around him. And you can see that after the goal was celebrated with, with Lacazette, how everybody was acknowledging the work that Saka had actually put in to take it from the halfway line go all the way down the sideline and then wait before actually passing. It wasn't just a, he got to a particular point and then smashed it into the middle. He knew exactly where Lacquer who had held his position and created the space so he could take a touch and choose his spot. He held his cross until um, he saw where Lacquer actually was. And I think that that is great maturity from somebody who's 20 years old. So I think that he's got a, and, and, you know, I can talk about the potential, but we all have spoken about that. And that's why he signed a new contract and we've retained him. But I do yeah. believe that, I think that um, in the next game, if, for example, El Nini comes out and, and say, Party comes in, in his place, with Xhaka, for example, and the, 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 and, and um, I think that that might also make 
a slight difference, if not for actually bringing it for, for Saka himself, who might actually deserve a rest um, against yeah. West Brom Shelburne. But you cannot yeah. get enough about him. Well, I think the question for me is more around, is he fit? Like you said, Gav, is, is, he, is he fit and did he take that knock? And do you know the word that is stuck in my head now after you just said it, Olaf, with Saka? Maturity. Because there was a chance in the second half where Saka has gone beyond his marker and he's had a chance to just square it back to Aubameyang. He didn't do it. He tried to take the shot on and Aubameyang was pretty, you could hear it. Um, Aubameyang was pretty cheesed off, I think. But fair enough, because he, he thought he, he was, if he cuts it back to him, Aubameyang's got an almost empty net to knock it into. But again, it's that maturity because then he gets another opportunity and he does take the decision. He says, I'm going to square it back. And he squares it back to Lacazette and he finds space. And do you know what? Again, I'll just I'll just say that finish was a good finish from Lacazette. We've seen so much. Like, mm. again, as you said, Gav, we've seen so many times when he's just blazed it over, when he's just not confident. But a confident Lacazette, is what we need right now to be getting us out of this because we just, again, it's the next few games. We just need to get through them, pick, get some points on the board so that we can stop talking about relegation because this team shouldn't well, it, be talking it, it, about it, relegation. We all know that. It, sorry, it, it, on, it, 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 no, no, sorry, just, just cutting on you there. He didn't snatch at it. That was the thing. Mm. And like I said, I, mean, I think he, he took one touch, didn't he? So he took one touch, set himself, and he's placed it lovely. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you would have thought, look, I mean, if he hadn't scored for. God knows how many games, which he hadn't before, like the two previous to this. You would have thought he would have snatched at that first time, but it, yeah. you know, like I say, yeah, it was a, it was a lovely ball, and yeah, you know, it was just nice the fact that he, he didn't, he didn't snatch at it, and that shows him that someone who's in form and got the confidence up as well. Like I say yeah. that's, that's, I mean, that's why I would start him because he's in form and he's got his, his confidence is up. Yeah, so, I tell you what. Guys, I've been re I've been reading a book a little bit uh, about Lacazette, and the word confidence in his time and wherever he has played, including within the the, uh, the French national team, if his confidence is high and he has the support, because the two go hand in hand. You can have a confidence within yourself, but still be absolutely useless within a particular setup. But if the two work hand in hand, and and confidence, Gav, is a big thing of his. When yeah. that is. He takes the chances, but he also knows what he is going to do, and it makes a substantial difference. And we currently are seeing the benefit of that. And the point is that, as we've said earlier in, the, in this discussion, if he is not playing in the next game, being on this role that he is, um, I think that uh, we'll be shooting ourselves in the foot. I do think that they'll probably do a little bit of rotation of some kind just because of the volume of games over the So I suspect we probably won't see the likes of Martinelli. He came off tonight, obviously. It wouldn't surprise me if Aubameyang's given a chance on the left again and then you've got Lacazette coming in from the start. Um, but let's just switch it up a little bit because I want to actually talk about the back line. That's a clean sheet today. And um, Mark uh, Perrin, again on Facebook, has said, has Mari made a difference? I thought Mari was good today, Gav. I think him and Holding were both good. I mean, they, I think they both gave away a couple of sloppy balls. Uh, but I mean, if you think that the size of the Brighton team, especially their defenders, and the amount of uh, corners that they put in, I'm, I'm sure you've got the stack sitting in front of you somewhere. Uh, but I mean, that many corners, I didn't think we was in trouble really on the majority five of them. I think five corners, yeah. So I mean, yeah. so I think there was one where there was a little bit of a a scramble 
But they both did the. I thought they both did the job. I thought they was both passing intelligently. Uh, there was one time that I think it was Mario holding the ball went behind and Bellerin come from nowhere. This is what I mean. I don't know what channel anybody else watched it on, but I was watching on Stars Holtz with Andy Townsend, right? And Brighton have done this fantastic ball which split our centre backs, and Bellerin's come straight in and kicked the ball, kicked the ball off, and I think it was through a corner or something. And Townsend gone, or oh, Bellerin's pace has saved him there. And I'm thinking, it hasn't saved him because he didn't make a mistake or he wasn't out of position. That's where we, in, in fairness, that was bloody good defending. So, mm. and like I say, I mean, I would have liked to see Tierney get forwards a lot more than he did today. But again, clean sheet, we won. You know, a settled back five. Or settle back four or five, including the keeper. You, you can't really complain about that, can you? Mm. Olaf, do you change this back line for West Brom? Uh, I would not change the back line if what we bring in is not uh, Gabriel, and we're not going to have him in anyway because of uh, COVID nineteen. Um, but if you saying drop one of the two of them for West Brom um, for a David Luiz, as an example, a, a helmet. You know, then, then absolutely they need to stay. I think that they, they did quite a solid job, the two of them. I think they did particularly well against Chelsea. Um, and I think that uh, holding in that particular game pocketed uh, the Pulisic of the world quite well. Um, and I, and again, the two of them today, Mari and, and Holding, did, did very well in, in the job. Um, and no, I wouldn't change them. I would absolutely keep them for, especially West Brom. If we were playing hypothetically somebody like, I don't know, Tottenham or whatever, Maybe I'd be thinking differently, um, but but I, I absolutely, with the confidence that they have and the clean sheet as well, I, I I wouldn't change it. Yeah, I mean for me, it's always depending on who we're, the opposition is and how pacey they are. Because again, if anybody's read my blogs or listened to me when I've been on this um, this podcast, then they'll know that I'm not the biggest fan of Rob Holding. I think he's slow. I think he's a he's a penalty box defender. If you get the ball out wide and you're going to lump the balls in so that you can nod them away, absolutely fine. But as soon as you get any player that has him on the turn, he's absolutely toast. So mm. that's my and I think his long ball distribution as well just just drives me insane. Um, you know, he's terrible with his long ball distribution. However, I will acknowledge he has performed well in in recent games. He's got Ooh. a run of games under his belt, um, and. Um, I would say that, yeah, he, 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 he did well for us tonight. But Pablo Marie in the last two games has, has really impressed me, actually. I mean, any sort of thoughts on that before? I mean, we're on to 27 minutes now, Gav, so we should probably talk about the West Brom game and, uh, you know, where you think we're at right now. And um, also the rumours that um, apparently and Paul, um, who was with us, who's just had to duck out because of power cut problems, uh, has said that there's rumours of a 10-day sort of hiatus because of the COVID situation. So, um, yeah. lots of questions in there. Talk to me about um, Pablo Marie. Pablo Marie, and then we'll yeah, go well, into um, then we'll go into this 10-day COVID hiatus that we could have, and whether it's good for Arsenal. Yeah, no. I mean, look, the thing, the thing that really impressed me about. Uh, Marie really was when he got booked in the first half against Chelsea and he's managed to navigate the whole of the second half without getting near a booking. So, mm. I mean, that really, really pleased me. That showed, you know, professionalism that, you know, we all want to see. Do you know what I mean, take your booking like a man and then keep, keep your nose clean for the rest of the game. Otherwise, you're going to get us into trouble. So, I like that. 
again, like him today, you, you can't look like a defender that's not really putting anything wrong. You know, he's he's doing what he what he's supposed to do, really. Uh, yeah, it's a... I don't know where the rumour started, but there is a, a, a line of text going around on WhatsApp uh, after this round of games. Uh, there's going to be a break for a couple of a couple of weeks or two weeks. You down for Premiership that? football? Do you think that's uh, thing to do? Well, it's, it's where you draw the line. I mean, we've got one, possibly three players that have been self-isolating due to COVID, and we're playing games. Man City had a few players isolating due to COVID, and their game gets postponed. So it's all about having a level playing field. Uh, it's mm. either you can produce a team that's COVID-free and you play, or you can't produce a team that's COVID-free and, like they do in Scotland, you lose 3-0. Mm. It, it's, I mean, there's something, obviously, something's happened. I mean, I, I, heard, I don't know whether it's true or not, but I heard one rumour that all of the Brazilian players uh, got together for a party, uh, whether it was the Arsenal lot or whether it was the, the whole of the lot that's in the UK did that. But that's one alleged rumour to why you know, our three Brazilians are all off and only one out of the three has tested COVID. And, but yeah, there's got to be a level play, playing field, really. So if there is problems with teams that have got one or two players out and some games get called off and some games carry on, that's not a level playing field. No. You know, it, it's, not, it's not like injuries or suspensions. It's... You know, this disease doesn't, you know, this illness or this virus or whatever you want to call it, doesn't discriminate. So if there is a case where every team's got two or three players out, then the only sensible thing to do is to is to have a breather for two weeks, mm. lock it down for two weeks. And, yeah, like I say, no, nobody wants to listen to me about my views on COVID. That's why I don't give them. <laughs> <laughs> Olaf, in terms of the uh, 10-day hiatus, um, are you kind of, what do you think on it? And then secondly, um, general thoughts. And do you have a lot of optimism now for West Brom and then as we enter the January transfer window? Okay, a uh, couple of things. First of all, for uh, the one thing I would certainly would not do for the West Brom game is try and find a spot for William uh, to start. Hmm. That would be for me would be sending so the wrong message, um, and 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 bring complete imbalance to the energy and and all of that that uh, has been built up over the last couple of games. First half today excluded. Um, is the shutdown a good thing? I, I'm a bit confused by by shutting down because my understanding is is that you need to have 14 foot players, um, but um, and within your squad. And most Premier League clubs, as an example, do have more than that. Um, I think in the lower divisions, I think Leighton Orient, for example, had to forfeit a game, if I wasn't mistaken, at some yeah. point. Um, and I don't understand how yesterday for two super clubs in relation to a Leighton Orient, why, they were, um, why that uh, game was cancelled unless the ability of, of transmission was, was exponentially much higher. So if on, if on medical reasons they're going to shut it down, fine. But if it's out of sympathy for one or two clubs, um, then on that basis, I, 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 would I would say that that's not the brightest uh, move to make at the moment. And especially also now with everybody mainly locked down and increasingly so around the world, um, to shut down the Premier League now for anything other than 
the uh, ability for the virus to spread amongst the players and the backroom staff and clubs themselves, um, I think would would, uh, would be would be wrong because uh, there'd be it, more it, people it, watch, etc. It, it's, it's, it's staff, though. I mean, when you look at these Premiership players, that all of all of them are earning more in a week uh, than most people earn in a year, right? They've got no reason to go out and do their own shopping. They've got no reason to do anything but sit indoors and going to the training ground. So the fact that so many of them are, are catching COVID is absolutely a bit bewildering, bewildering to me. Do you, I mean, it's not like, you know, your normal working man or woman that's got to, you know, go down the, the shop two or three times a week to buy their food. You know, it, it's just completely daft. I mean, they're, they're getting paid to play professional sport. They're not getting yeah. paid to go out and socialise and to yeah. potentially put themselves at risk, which puts everybody they train with at risk, et cetera, et cetera. So, and they're not, they're, not living put, one, they're not living in a one-room apartment, so therefore it's good to get the family or whatever out and, and get a bit of fresh air occasionally. You know, they're always uh, living in, in rather large houses and therefore within that they've got entertainment space and hypothetically an indoor swimming pool maybe, all those kind of things. As you say, Gab, absolutely no reason on yeah. the, under those circumstances to leave. No, exactly. Mm. I mean, they're, they're, they're training three, four times a week in three or four or five acres worth of fresh air. There's no need for them to, you know, to do anything. There's no need for them to literally do anything but leave the house to go to the training ground. That's all they should be doing. And again, like I say, I, I like the Scottish method where if your team or players in your team bugger up, then you lose the points. Simple as that. Do you know what I mean? That, that, that's what it should be. Chris, mm. go on. Your two pennies worth, mate. Well, I, I think it's difficult because um, we don't know the background of what's happened with the players. Has uh, Supposedly with Gabriel, it was one of his family members. So actually, he could be doing everything right and then one of his family members is the one that's been a silly bully, um, so to speak. And mm. if that's the case, then, you know, what what can you do, really? Um, it's, it's a difficult situation. I think we should probably navigate away from it because we're just on time tonight. But my view generally is that I think that calling a 10-day high from a completely selfish point of view, I kind of think um, it might be good for Arsenal. But we've got, if you think about Thomas Partey being out, uh, and I think that if you think about how absolutely atrocious El Nelly has been for the last two games, I think, um, to get someone like that back, just from a completely selfish point of view, mm. I think would be would be quite beneficial for us. Um, if we can then have Gabriel back and fighting fit, because if if they have a go into hiatus now, he'll be back for the rescheduled West Brom game. Um, I My view is that taking it, taking that 10 days, I'd kind of be okay with it if it's a reset. And if that happens... It also means that as, as Arsenal, as a club and as fans, we get to go into a 10-day period without football and the last memories, lasting memories that we've got are back-to-back -back wins against Chelsea and Brighton. And again, this league is so mental that that has, I, I haven't even looked at the league title just yet, the, the league the table just yet. Table. I'd imagine it's, it's, it's taken a, we've taken another leap today and that, that's a really, really positive thing. So um, that's, we, are, we are out of time today. It has been a pleasure as always, to share these virtual beverages with you. Um, yes. And what curry are you getting? We'll see what if we're back for the game. What curry are you getting? I am getting, getting 
a random chef special. It's a bit like a madras, a bit like a chicken madras, but it's like a random chef special thing. So I'll let you know uh, how I got on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Good luck tomorrow morning, mate. Good luck tomorrow morning. All right, lad. Good luck tomorrow morning. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's lovely to see you. It's been lovely to have you on this uh, virtual pub. Thank you very much for joining you, for joining us. And uh, we will see you all again next time. Uh, say goodbye, Gav. Uh, one nil to the Arsenal. Say goodbye, Olaf. Up the Arsenal, and thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a great, safe evening. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, and uh, yeah, up Cheers, the Arsenal. Chris. Let's do it. Cheers, Gav. <laughs>